a good running episode of The Wheel Nerds start like this. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 40. I'm Chuck. And I'm Todd. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. Hey, j'étude le français dans la jeunesse. What? Trois ans. What? What is it? Le nouveau moto. What, what are you doing? Le Tenere. Stop that. Yamaha. It's, it's freaking me out. What is that, French? Oui. Is that all your high school French? Je suis très fluent dans le franglais. Je speak it good. How many different ways can you say we surrender? They're like the Eskimos, right? With a hundred different ways to say ice. This is French Canadian. <laughs> they mostly say, can you point me toward the beer? <laughs> Best strippers in the world. Cherchez la bière. Rue de Saint Catherine. I, I picked out a word in there that I recognize. The Yamaha. Tenere. The, the tenor. Tenere. The tenere. Tenere. Ten what? Tenere. Whatever. What does it mean? Je ne sais pas. Fuck if I know. <laughs> You're useless to me. Okay, yeah, so this past weekend I was in San Diego, mm -hmm. and as I try to make a habit, I went down to uh, the motorsports dealer there mm -hmm. and was sitting on a bunch of bikes. Possible replacements for the Buell. Mm. One of them was the, the Yamaha Super Thingy. Le Super Tenere. Yeah, the, the Super Thingy. Plus force, plus power, plus fromage. It's also said the new Versus. Mm -hmm. Is that the the thousand one or the not that new, but the newer looking versus the newest style? It's still a six fifty, but they sort of redesigned the front a little bit. Mm, I think I've seen it. It made it look a, a bit cooler, in my opinion. I thought a bit less like a worm standing up to look at something. Yes, okay. actually, I saw the new Weestrom six fifty mm. parked right next to a Strom Adventure. Okay, so the old style, new style, right next to each other. Yeah, yeah. Did you try the seats? I did. The, your seat definitely would not fit. Shit. It's very different. Damn it. They shape it more. Mm -hmm. um, it's got more of a butt pocket to it. Mm -hmm. um, that was always one of the complaints about it is the Strom seat was okay, but very flat. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it was more sculpted. And I liked it a lot better than the uh, previous Strom. It well, didn't have the, the huge hump right in front. Oh, the nut crusher hump. Yes. Yeah, I'm familiar it, with that one. It's thinner. And you don't feel as far away from the dash. Interesting. Um, I didn't measure it to see if it, you know, if it was just a trick or not, but you felt kind of closer to the thing. Mm -hmm. You kind of look at them, it looks like the proportions are the same, mm -hmm. but I liked it better. It was not an ugly bike to me. Hmm. I thought it was pretty cool looking. Very cool. Um, I sat on a new uh, KLR. I sat on um, a Scrambler. <laughs> Feels like home. Yeah, it did. Um, it was it was really cool. I think I liked the Yamaha the best. That or mm -hmm. actually, I think the Yamaha felt the most like the Ulysses to me. Hmm. Interesting. So it, it kind of felt like home. I was on it. I was like, oh, this this is pretty cool. And eventually, I have to learn to pronounce it. I My bike was stolen. What was it? It was a thingy on this piece of paper here. <laughs> I've written wait, it down. Wait, 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 wait. Let me call Todd. <laughs> Tell him what the bike is. <laughs> Le Tenere. What is that, French? Cherchez la tenere. Is he cursing at me? Did he surrender? But yeah, you know, it was pretty cool. Well, what's really funny is I, I texted you, John, and Claire mm. that I was looking at all these bikes, and all three of you texted me back. Well, so here's how the conversation went. I, I'm trying to decide between all of these bikes. John says, when you sit on the 1200GS, your decision will be made. Claire comes back with a great comeback of, yeah, you'll buy the Tiger. Mm -hmm. At which point I was, you know... Being a fundamentally uncreative individual, I said, well, I got to do something. So I just sent back, like, world extermination. <laughs> no, it was like, come up with on short notice. <laughs> yeah, everyone was basically saying, I'm going to buy their bike. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, speaking of uh, 
BMW GS bikes. <laughs> we we got some uh, listener feedback from a couple of shows back when yeah. we, we talked about the FA hundred. Oh yeah, okay. I've got uh, some feedback here. You buy it before I explain that it right. was because it was too. Yeah, sure. You, you you said you were bored by it. You want yeah. to, we got some feedback. You want to hear it? Sure. Yeah, let's hear yeah, it. Okay. Let's see. Uh, let me look here. Okay. So Peter writes. Hey, so funny story. Mm-hmm. I heard about some guy who went off on a rant about how butt ugly a particular bike was, and <laughs> sure. wait for it, he rides a Strom. <laughs> <laughs> Disqualified from judging. <laughs> what? What are you doing? That's really mean. Are, are you crying? No. He's just—he's making a joke about. But it's, but it's a mean letter. I mean, I like my strong. Well, man. Uh, well yeah, it's it, uncalled for. You know, it's—it's it's just he's making a joke about the bike. I mean, we make I, jokes all the time. Okay, he's yeah, just—he's just picking. He's just—you know—you okay? Yeah, you're right. You're, yeah, all right. Hey, let's—we uh, got another letter here. Okay, it'll, it'll just, make you feel just better. Go. It's not, its nothing personal, right? Yeah, it's just a bike. Yes. Uh, Kelso, right? Suck a bag of dicks, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Go away. Are you, what are you doing under the desk? I'm, Get, I'm hiding. You, we can't do the show with no. you. No. You, no. I, I not, don't want to. There's more to the letter. You're going to be mean. It's not. No. You don't. You. Big bag, little. Big bag of little dicks, little bag of big dicks. Your choice. It's okay. Way to piss off your only Canadian listener. So I'm listening to the podcast, and now I understand what Peter was saying. I don't care. I can't hear you. <laughs> you hurt my feelings. I'm now officially on Team Chuck. Todd, you can't stand the whole thing under the desk. Get up here. Fine. <laughs> so at least you have a new fan. Yes, somebody likes me. I can tell already we're going to be best friends. We're going to exchange recipes. We're going to do each other's nails. Wow. Kelso, you're my new best friend. <laughs> Although, you know, we should note that they haven't heard the follow-up episode at the time that they sent us that letter, right. where we actually tell them that uh, what I really meant, which is, of course, that all BMW riders suck packs of dicks. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> you know, when, when we first got this letter, I totally misread it and didn't see he was, I didn't see that he said suck. I thought he had just wrote, such a bag of dicks. Thomas. You're such a bag of dicks. And um, I was like... That is the coolest expression ever. I'm going to start using that. I thought it was some Canadian thing. I've been using it. You thought you were riding the hipster wave. I was. I was using it at work. I'm like, oh, such a bag of dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's okay because we've got a a listener-submitted test ride for the week. Yes, we do. Yeah, from our chocolatey friend, Franca. (laughs) I don't think you should describe listeners as chocolatey. (laughs) I think think they might sue us. (laughs) She's, She's fun-filled goodness. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Uh, she's got a uh, listener test ride report on uh, what's this here? Oh, an F eight hundred GS. Oh, wow! <laughs> I wonder what kind of interesting new names for myself out here. <laughs> Hi, Wheelnerd. That last show was just too much of an invitation for me to pass. So here's the F eight hundred GS test ride. Probably you think that I work for BMW anyway. I thought they were ridiculous until my old Honda died on me, and I had a neighbor who had a BMW for sale. And I thought, well, since I'm here, I might as well ride it. And I loved it. And that eventually led to the F800GS a few years later. Come on! It's an inspiring bike. It's a beautiful bike. It's a great companion for all your touring. Go get a test ride. The longest I have done is eight hours with gas stops only, and I could still sit the next day. It's comfortable, 
and it offers enough space for boxes to bring stuff along. On the other hand, it's nowhere near as heavy and bulky as a 1200GS. The downside of comfortable is that you might find it a little vague in its feedback, at least from a sports bike perspective. But I love the way that high seating position enhances that swinging feeling on twisty roads. The seat really is quite high, so especially for women that might be an issue. I was of course too proud to get the version with the lowered seat. My dealer said tiptoe might not be good enough to hold the bike, but I wanted to ride and not stand around anyway. Two days later, I was back at the dealer buying these cheating boots from Daytona that add about 5 centimeters to your legs. Since then, we're good. Power-wise, the bike is no rocket, but it offers enough power to keep me happy on a tour. And if a better rider than me beats the shit out of it, it will get you there fast. And for the engine, that is up to personal preference, but I don't like boxers at all. So for me, the parallel twin was a huge plus over the 1200GS. I mean, if you want to build something that moves in one direction smoothly, I really don't see why you put in cylinders that move at 90 degrees to that direction. But then again, I have no clue about mechanics. Other things that I like about the bike. That the ABS can be turned off, the heated grips, and the large ground clearance. I like its off-road qualities, and I have put about 20,000 kilometers on it, and I still love it. Downsides. I had ordered my bike with the higher BMW windshield, and I was never happy with that one. Putting on the original lower one also didn't help, and eventually I got the Touratec Desierto windshield. And even though it was ridiculously expensive, it was worth it. No buffeting anymore, and it's much more quiet than it used to be. There's one totally stupid thing about the F800GS though. When you lean hard, the first thing that will touch the ground are the side stand on the left side and the center stand on the right. And of course, these don't give at all. So you hear that and then you know that even a degree more will send you sliding, which I have of course done because at some point I had myself convinced that I could keep it just at that point where it touches. Turned out I couldn't. On the plus side, you can throw it away and there's hardly any damage to the bike. In the back, the racks for the baggage protect it, and in the front, the hand protectors do. As I said, it's a great bike. It's a fantastic bike. Go ride it and then tell me about boring. Well, I got out of it without too much name calling. <laughs> you know, good. I, I think uh, we need to ride this bike. Uh, clearly, we need to ride this you bike. Know, we owe gonna, it. We owe it to the listeners. If we ever show up in public somewhere, they find us. <laughs> you're dead. I, uh, you know, I'll be like a bunch of little guys with Bill the Cat headlights and be chasing after you. Like, <laughs> come back here, and I'll be like, ha ha ha. Oh wait, I'm on a strum. Wham! Boom! <laughs> yeah, until the one on the S1000RR comes up. Yeah, well, I'm screwed if that guy. Gets <laughs> <up>. <laughs> He'll drop out a sky from a black helicopter. <laughs> 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 They'll hit menu. They'll be like, get him. That's one of the options on the menu. Click, 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 spinning little wheel thing, you know. Get Todd. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Electronic getting, my only weakness. You'll hear the, the Street Hawk TV theme from the 80s. <laughs> Let, let's, let's do some classifieds. Okay. Well, so, our first classified of the week is a Honda Ascot, $400, near 19th Ave and Peoria. What's a Honda Ascot? Honda Ascot's a little 400cc or, well, 500cc, I guess, thing that they made back in the day. Not a scooter? No, no, it's not a scooter. Why would you call it an Ascot? That was the style at the time. Isn't that the thing you wrap around your neck? It appeals to Scooby-Doo riders. (laughs) 
There's actually a guy who rides one of these that you can see out on the roads around here. He used to be a flat track racer, so he just rides the wheels off the thing. Oh, okay. He's he's the old guy, and he's on a freaking Honda Ascot. He will smoke you. (laughs) Blow your doors off. (laughs) And it's this little, you know, it's like it used to be burgundy, but the paint is all faded now. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's this guy. No? Well, let's see. Looking to sell Honda Ascot $400 OBO. Don't have title, will explain. (laughs) Okay, need to sell ASAP. Original owner is in jail. (laughs) Sold to us, but never gave us title. May file abandoned title. Needs brake work. Ignition key was lost in move from Oregon. (laughs) I... Um... Look for the brown van packed and parked in the alley behind the 7-Eleven. This is not a trap. <laughs> Although, I guess if you're sitting in a trap, you'd want something better than an ask. Gas tank full of Coke. <laughs> Good God. Wow. Don't have title. We'll explain. I want to hear this guy's story. <laughs> I'll explain, man. It's, it, wow. So, like, the, the, it doesn't matter where this story goes. If original owner is in jail, this is going to be, like... Sold it to us, but never gave us title. What's he in jail for, Chuck? Well, now, you see, you could interpret that sentence the way he's he's phrased that. He's not necessarily saying the owner sold it to him. Original owner oh, yeah, is in jail. Oh, yes, sold to us. Good use it, of, good use of uh, passive voice. Sold to us. <laughs> By who? Ah. A dude in a van. <laughs> in a van marked mystery machine with a bunch of kids and a huge dog, and they were all stoned. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I can have the hot one with the glasses. <laughs> Maybe file abandoned title. Some he's like already. Here's how you could sneak it in. The ignition key was lost and moved from Oregon <laughs> while we were running from the police. <laughs> wow, we outran our buddy. <laughs> he's the one that's in jail. <laughs> so we'll. Uh, we're not going to give you the number. <laughs> I'd like to hear the story of this, so... So I guess if you're a listener and it's yours, we, we need to hear this story. Yeah, go call him for us. We don't we don't actually recommend calling. <laughs> don't give call him... Call from a payphone. Yeah, don't give him your real name or number. Okay, moving on, what have we got? A, this looks promising, a KTM uh, adventure. Okay. 2008, 990 mm-hmm. for 12500 Uh, Wait a second. And I have a question. Yeah? What do they go for new? <laughs> Ooh, pretty close to that? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> well, listen to what he says. You know, it's got, uh, well, okay, 12500 first. What's that in real money? Real money? Well, yeah, this is Canada. So oh, it's, it's Canada. It's, it's Canada. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think in, that's about uh, $14,000 in real money. Real money, okay. It's got uh, 2,800 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's had first service only, but at these low kilometers, the second isn't due for a long time yet because kilometers, as we know, are shorter. And they're, well, I was going to say completely imaginary. No, no, no. They're not at all imaginary. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're the Earl is Earl. festooned with them. They're all over it. I have to scrape the kilometers off periodically. Saved a tax and more than a few grand from new. I'm going to lose the Canadian listener as a fan any minute now. Mm-hmm. Austrian trail and touring bike, 105 horsepower and enough torque to tenderize an elephant. Fuel mm-hmm. injected V-twin, blah, 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 blah. Now, okay, this is all boring. This is the line I like. Mm-hmm. Royal Canadian Mounted Police cracked my C2 and C4 vertebrae using my neck as a trampoline, so I can't ride anymore. Can't find I did a, not see that coming. <laughs> can't find a lawyer willing to take them on without a $100,000 cash retainer. So their malice is your gain. Vehement malice. Yes, sorry. You Let's know, I don't really think of the Royal Canadian Mounties as being 
the Los Angeles Police Department. <laughs> I mean, he's got a long ad here that we just – it's boring to read because it's so straightforward. It's so straightforward and then just, this pops out of nowhere. Right up to the point where the police beat him down oh, like Oh, also Rodney the King. police stomped on me. <laughs> hey, on the bright side, we'll trade for an older Lotus or a 1963 Jaguar XKE Roadster. That's kind of a neat taste in cars. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I want to know why the Royal Canadian Mounties jumped up and down on him. Uh, but so many questions, Chuck. I'm just thinking so like PCP-fueled rampage. Many questions. He was naked on the adventure bike. I don't know. So there you go. The uh, pictures look nice. Caution, bike may cause neck stomping. <laughs> the Canadians hate the KTM. I guess so. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Take this, eh? <laughs> You've totally lost our Canadian listeners. Yeah. <laughs> He's just going to stop listening altogether now. <laughs> we have our what if question of the week. Okay. This one comes from Daniel. Daniel asks, what if I'm on a long trip and my electric jacket liner fails? Go home. Actually, I could answer this one. Check the fuse. That's right. That's the first thing you check. First thing you check is the fuse. I will tell you, as of two hours ago, my fuse is burned out. <laughs> It was a chilly ride home. Remember um, when we did the Durango ride and my liner stopped working? Mm -hmm. Fuse? Fuse. Fuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the fuse in that, that inline fuse on the cord, it, uh, it's, it's a basic cheap fuse that you buy at a gas station. Sure. And it likes to go sometimes. It's like, I'm done. Yeah. I've been vibrating for too long. Not just that. Don't just check the fuse on the cord, the fuse in the fuse box. Yeah, assuming you run it out of a fuse box. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah, if you don't have it uh, all fan. Yes, check fuses. Always check fuses first when something like that. Yeah, because that's the easiest thing. And for some reason, that's the last thing I think of is the fuse. (laughs) In my mind, it's always something more catastrophic. I wonder why. It's because you weren't listening to this show enough. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know. One thing that I really got to say for preventative on this one. First mm-hmm. of all, fuses, like mm-hmm. we talked about. Always carry a bucket of fuses. And frankly, you can get fuses at gas stations. Yeah, tons of them. Make sure you get an electric liner thing that takes a normal fuse. Mine takes a little teeny fuse. And it's really irritating because sometimes they don't have those. Right. So, you know, but those are small and tiny, so you can tuck a box of those. You in, tuck a whole box of them somewhere. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. The other thing is to keep in mind your electric liner could shit the bed. Most of them, frankly, don't. Usually, like I said, it's a fuse. The electric jacket is not a highly complex item. Right. There's not much in it to fail. So it's usually the fuse. But if it does, it's a good idea to have layers with you. Layers are also nice for when you have to get off the bike. Depending on what kind of trip you are and where you're on, you could always buy another one. Yeah, it's kind of a lame option, but it's Well, an you know, it's it's like uh, that one guy we were talking about, the one guy we've been e- emailing, Chris Scott. He's saying if you're, if you're touring in the Americas... That's a good point. You're probably not that far away from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Preventative measures are totally in the realm of possibility. Take fuses and take some layers. So if it does die, you're like, oh, layers, done. Yeah. Take, you know, you want your long underwear. You want just multiple layers. Pack them away. Mm-hmm. Make it work. They're small, and when you want them, you'll really want them. Something else I want to talk about. What's that? When I was at the motorsports dealer this weekend, mm-hmm. the guy I was talking to in the store owns like two Triumphs. Mm-hmm. It was like his the scrambler I was looking on the floor and was getting on and jumping up and down and you know rubbing myself <laughs> it was on his bike. Yeah, it was his bike. Oops, it wasn't for sale. <laughs> Dang it. it was brand new. You're a jerk. I am. Nobody likes you. <laughs> yeah, he was awfully nice to me though. Okay, he, he had done some nice things to that scrambler. 
And then he showed me his speed triple that was parked right next to it. Um, no. <laughs> he's got a brand new spanking scrambler with already he's got aftermarket parts and pipes on and, and a speed triple. I'm so jealous. I know, right? But, you know, we sat there, we were talking Triumphs and we were talking Thruxton and I was like, you know, we've got the Thruxton now, I'm not really seeing it as a touring bike. And he was just like, well, why? And we start talking back and forth about it and I realize, you know, what my thing was is I was thinking in my head, touring, I'm thinking camping. Oh, yeah. And if you're camping, you've got a lot more stuff going on a bike. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, totally. If, if I'm just touring and to ho- hotels. hoteling it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, different story. It, it's a lot more doable. If mm-hmm. I could get away with the two, you know, GI saddlebags on the side and mm-hmm. maybe a roll on the back. Yep. And, you know, I'm like, well, okay. Well, the other thing is, you know, the range on the bike. I'm thinking it's about 150 miles, 160 miles on, you know, a tank of gas. Yep. He's like, well, you know. Strap on a one-gallon tank. Mm-hmm. That's going to get you another 40, 50 miles. Yeah, and, and then you're looking at the kind of range you were on your bike before. Hmm. You know, Interesting. If you want to ride on this bike, it'll do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you could replace the seat. And you know, he's he's uh, he's a sales guy at the thing. So of course, he was saying you could get the Triumph gel seat. You can get the Triumph racks. You can. You know, mm-hmm. he's it's his job. Sure. But he's still it's like telling me, yeah, you know. I could tour on this bike if I want to. Mm-hmm. And that uh, got me thinking, yeah, you know, maybe I can tour on the Thruxton. Maybe it'll mm-hmm. be fine for that. You yeah. know, what, what is to stop me from that? And the Viffer has found a home. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's confirmed. The Viffer is going away. So I'll be down to two bikes. The Buell. One and a half. One and a half. The Buell may go away. Well, it could very well go away. I'll be down to the one bike. Spooky. But with some money. There you go. You'd be able to kit it up. The problem is, well, and you know, frankly, a lot of the camping we do is not exactly up totally gnarly dirt roads. Right. There's only been like a couple places, like mm-hmm. when we did Bridger, I wouldn't want to do that on the Thruxton. No, that'd be a little dicey on the Thruxton. Yeah. But I mean, like when we did... Uh, Buckhorn Gulch. Buckhorn Gulch. Yeah. That would be, that was a well-maintained was, road. You could do that. I could do that. That, that sandy part would have been a... The sandy part would have been yeah. interesting. Yeah. I could. There uh, was sand? I didn't really notice. Yes, you did, because you ran out there and set up the camera with big lights waiting for me to go through it. (laughs) Oh, you mean the campsite. You brought in the camera crew and the helicopters and all the people to look at me. Yeah, I do remember that. Right up until the part that I didn't fall down. I was disappointed. Yeah, I know. Nobody (laughs) likes you. (laughs) But yeah, you know, I think uh, the the, the Thruxton could work. Yeah. I think I can, I can tour on the Thruxton. Yeah, I see any reason why not. You could probably even camp on it if you don't mind strapping a bunch of crap up on the back. Yeah, I'm making it look like a gypsy bike. You need some smaller camping gear, but... Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, Max Wedge from mm. STN, mm-hmm. he's got a Hennessy hammock he's offering to sell me. Interesting. So, you know, I might take him up on that. Yeah, give it a whirl. Get rid of the tent. Mm-hmm. I need a better sleeping bag. Yeah. Compact that down. You'd be pretty solid at that point. Yeah, I think it could work. Cool. And you'll look totally vintage. Well, I will have the skinny jeans and, you know, that ascot around my neck. Mm-hmm. Yep. And those goggles. We know how you love the ascot. <laughs> I love the ascot. Good save. <laughs> all right. So if you're at all a fan of anime, you've probably seen a movie called Akira. And if you haven't... Go watch it. You're dead to us. But it, at the, especially at the time it came out, it was very, very impressive, you mm-hmm. know, visually. And, and there's just some really cool stuff in it. For example, this motorcycle that I'm not pointing at. <laughs> picture a motorcycle. Oh, we'll put a picture up on the page. How about that? Anyway, even better. Our guest this week is going to build this motorcycle. Squee! And he needs your help. 
Okay, and we're on with Michael Dickey. Michael has got a Kickstarter project where he's going to uh, attempt to build the motorcycle from the classic Japanese animation Akira. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, happy to. We're uh, we- wait, wait. That is the wrong way to start this. You're right. Grenada! Okay, we're better now. Yep. That will never happen again. <laughs> For at least five seconds. Yeah, good, good minute. So how much do people do that to you, Michael, on an average day? Uh, I honestly don't get that too much. Um, I usually get people uh, upset that I called it the Acura Bike Project, and they'll say, well, that's the name of the movie. That's not the name of the bike. It should be oh. the, the Bike Canada Rides. And you, you and it just the... doesn't fly off the tongue, the, the Bike Canada Rides in the movie Acura Project. didn't ring too well with me. <laughs> You get the, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're using the wrong name. Yes. <laughs> That's not how it, that your measurements are all wrong. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's start at the beginning. Why this bike? Uh, well, um, I'm kind of an inventor. Uh, I've always been designing and building things, and I got hundreds of ideas. So about 10 years ago, I said, well, I got to pick one that makes sense to focus on. And I'd always wanted to build this recumbent uh, motorcycle-type design. And right about that same time, the 20th anniversary of Akira was released on DVD. My girlfriend at the time bought it for me. And I said, damn, you know, that's the same bike that I wanted to design. I remembered how much I loved that movie. So I popped it in and watched it about 10 times. And uh, it just went from there. It just uh, it matched so well. It was such a great idea. I love that aesthetic. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that kind of futuristic, organic, metallic look, like uh, in that film and uh, Sid Mead's artwork. I love his stuff, too. So it kind of took off from there. This isn't the first time someone's tried to make one. I mean, there's certainly a lot out there. You can find pictures of people posing in really carefully made jackets, <laughs> breathing heavily. What makes yours unique here, I guess? Yeah, that's true. There, there are quite a few builds out there. In my opinion, most of those focus on capturing the aesthetic and the aesthetic only. They're not fully functional bikes. Uh, mm. If you look at them, most of them can't really lean more than about two or three degrees before those bulbous protrusions on the bottom bump into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are scaled very small. If you look at the people riding them, their heads tower far above the windshield. Mm. You know, So if you, if you hit something, you're going to get decapitated just about instantly that's just um, how japanese people are built man why are you picking on us <laughs> that's my people man i never thought of them as huge but <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not the uh that's not the convention i typically hear either <laughs> and some of them just to make the scale work i've seen two or three bills that have just this large fake plastic tire looking cover yeah. around the wheel where there's a tiny little tire actually sticking under that so to me a lot of them they're not they're not designed to be functional they're designed to look as much as possible like the bikes from the film and you know even with the stickers and the scratches or whereas my goal is to focus primarily on making a fully functional high performance bike and secondarily styling it after the aesthetic in the film hmm. so you've probably heard this before but are you familiar with suzuki's concept from many years ago the g strider that's kind of has a similar aesthetic yeah, yeah, the G-Strider. It's a it's a pretty good bike. I've I've read some good things about it. Uh, again, it seems to be sort of on the scooter side of things. I don't care. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, actually, it I wanted it to bike. paint red, and well, you know, get the the capsule leather jacket, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> dye your hair black. Michael's gonna save me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am really trying to focus on exploiting all the potential advantages that that kind of geometry gives you that long low geometry has a lot of potential safety and performance and practical advantages so i'm really focusing on trying to take advantage of as many of those as possible have you ridden a recumbent vehicle um i've sat in mine and and made motorcycle sounds (laughs) (laughs) does that count no probably not 
He's sitting at going twelve thousand RPM dual ceramic brake rotors. <laughs> that would, nerds from the who've seen the movie. They would, it's, they would, mine's just at a rolling chassis phase right now. I mean, it's still got a lot of work before I get to drive it around and, and start testing aspects of it. But I have studied motorcycle geometry for quite some time. Been following all the feet first and recumbent builds. Been pretty active on those uh, mailing lists for some time. Mm-hmm. So I'm very familiar with the geometry and the design and uh, aspects of it. It's just putting it all together is what and making it look good is one of the challenges. Okay. Yeah. Actually, actually related to that, I'm I'm your design is pretty wild. We invite listeners to definitely go check out Michael's Kickstarter and check out all the pictures you've got, he's got on there. I'm going to lean on you a little bit about mechanical stuff because I'm interested here because I'm a wrench turner myself. You might have noticed the show's called Wheel Nerds. Yes. <laughs> we don't get no out problem. much. So, so the first thing I'm noticing, you've got, you've got that crazy rake on your, on your forks on the front. And it's got, it looks like a leading leg on it to, I'm assuming, get the caster down where you can actually steer it. Yeah, exactly. Those extreme rake angles uh, have a tremendous problem with that fork flop where mm-hmm. if, you, if you're trying to straighten the wheel out from a turn, you're essentially lifting the entire front end weight of the bike up. Mm-hmm. But with the leading link, you can add some offset to that. And as long as you get that steering axis pretty close to the contact patch on the ground, it significantly reduces that kind of fork flop feel to it. And then the nice advantage of the leading link is it's simple. It has a lot more lateral stiffness than a traditional fork type design. Uh, but you can also easily put anti-dive in it. With a, with a little torque bar, and that's what mine will be doing. Cool. So then I guess the, the anti-dive will be useful because I'm thinking, I'm looking at that rake too, and how, the suspension's going to be, that's going to be an interesting challenge. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how you pull that off. Yeah, it's going to, when you're looking at it, you're looking at it at full extension. So, you know, okay. once you put the bike down, you'll put some weight on it, mm-hmm. and that leading link will tilt up about 15 degrees, oh, okay. 20 so degrees from where it is. Um, so when you hit a bump, it's going to be moving both vertically and backwards. So it's going to absorb the bump in two dimensions. Hmm. The other thing that jumped right out at me is the patent pending two wheel steering. So I recognize patent <laughs> pending here, but I am, I am, this was like, Okay, I don't know whether to go ooh or what. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, a two-wheeler doesn't steer with direct steer like a, like a car with four-wheel steering does. So I, I'm, I'm curious about the two-wheel steering. What, what's, the, what's kind of the premise behind it? Parallel well, there, there's a couple things that influence that. One was that when you start out with that very long wheelbase, one of the disadvantages you get of that is uh, the much larger turning radius. Hmm. If you steer the rear wheel as well, if you steer it in an opposite sense... You yeah. can cut down that, that steering radius uh, tremendously just by turning it just a couple degrees. Mm-hmm. It really cuts that down. The other thing you can do is if you have a same-sense steering, uh, it causes the lean-in to take place a lot quicker at high speeds. And when you're doing like lane shifting, you can slide from one lane to the next as opposed to uh, a more conventional kind of steering. But what I'm hoping to get out of it with the right geometry and the right settings and the right kind of angular momentum here... I'm trying to get that thing to be a direct steerer. So across the entire performance envelope of the vehicle, even at low speed and at high speed, you're not going to be counter-steering. You're not going to be steering in the opposite direction you want to go. Huh. You're going to be steering in the actual direction that you want to go. And a lot of the studies I've read indicate that that's, that's a significant factor in a lot of the fatalities in motorcycle accidents. Because when you're operating the bike under normal conditions, you know, you can think about it, you can do your counter-steering. But when you're in an emergency situation, unless you've been riding a long time and you've really habitualized it, your knee-jerk reaction sometimes sometimes can be uh, to steer in the wrong direction in a direct steer motion and end up driving right into the thing that you wanted to avoid. And is, would that be a steering problem or would that be more of a target fixation kind of problem? 
I'm, I'm thinking well, it, it's a little bit of both in a training. I mean, it's very counterintuitive to, to have to steer a vehicle the opposite direction that you want to go. If that doesn't work, it doesn't work. In worst case scenarios, it steers like a conventional motorcycle, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll still have the shortened turning radius from the additional steering. The rear wheel is not going to steer very much. It's only going to steer probably 5 to 10 degrees maximum. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, being motorcyclists, uh, you don't even end up turning the wheel very much when you're at high speeds anyway. So it's really not going to be steering very much. Interesting. That's going to be... You- <laughs> It's a good thing you're getting a patent on that. I can see a lot of really big touring bikes thinking, oh, that would be a neat thing we can add. <laughs> right, right. A box we can check. <laughs> Turns it, on it. It does have some complexity to the build. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. kind of why part of the reason it's taking so long. This is not a off the shelf quick kind of build thing. I've been I've been building a kiln in order to cast that monstrous single sided rear swing arm for that thing. Hmm. So it's definitely pretty complicated. And then figuring out how to power a steered real wheel proposed challenges oh, all yeah, of its own. Then so. it's to a CV joint, but that's going to add one more expense in it. That's not I need to. Yeah, and every time yeah. you put a CV joint in, you lose a couple percentage yeah. Of, yeah. of your efficiency. And if you put bevel gears in, you you know you lose some, or, and they weigh a lot. Uh, and then you got to use a bunch of pairs of them so uh, there's yeah. definitely some challenges involved there but that's why uh, i don't know if you noticed on the site i also talk about that high torque flexible drive shaft mm. that i invented for this project which local university to me uh, the university of connecticut's intellectual property law clinic actually sponsored the intellectual property of that so that should be uh, pretty interesting to get that in there and, and really start stressing it at high torques very cool okay so it'll be so it'll flex laterally but it won't flex torsionally so you actually get power transfer Exactly. You could, it's basically, uh, it's a lot like, con, uh, conceptually, you can think of it like traditional uh, flexible drive shafts where they just take a wire, a steel wire rope and rotate it. Mm-hmm. You bend it around a corner and it transmits the rotation around mm-hmm. the corner. But those things are very are rated very low for the torque they can handle because that's initially what I was leaning toward. Uh, but when you look at them, you can find uh, inch, inch and a quarter diameter cables that are only rated at 10 foot pounds or 15 foot pounds. <laughs> It's like, what, uh, what is going on here? I don't think I want this bike anymore at that power. <laughs> Seriously, if you stressed these things in tension, they could do 90 tons or you know 180,000 pounds. So where is wow. that huge deficit in performance? And and part of thinking about that and some of the researches, uh, research and studies that I've done in materials, sciences, and, and physics uh, led me to come up with this design. So um, hopefully we'll see how that works out. It should be pretty cool. Potentially it could be as lightweight as a, a drive shaft without the bevel gears, but as uh, close to the, the low weight of a chain without the complexity of the, all the maintenance involved with the chain. And all the swearing. And, yes. <laughs> and the catching of the fingers. And the- <laughs> so you say you've had this project going for about 10 years? Uh, yeah, it has been going for a while. That's a, another frequent comment I get, you know, what's taking so long. Well, how, how long has the bike existed in material form? As soon as I started the project, I, I went right into to building it. I spent some oh, time okay. designing the concept. First thing I built was kind of a ergonomic mock-up of the chair, something that just held a steering column-like thing in place mm-hmm. just to make sure the geometry fit really well. The first thing I started to do was I bought a lot of angle iron, and I thought I'd be clever and, and cheap and bolt it all together, and that, that turned out to be a ridiculous idea pretty quickly. <laughs> when I bought a MIG welder and started studying that. I mean, I've, I've taught myself all the... Uh, all the metal working, machining, and casting for this project. So it's definitely been pretty fun. How many third-degree burns do you have? <laughs> yeah, I do have a, quite a lot of those. The angle grinder can seriously heat up some metal bars. And I, when it's, <laughs> I, was, I turned and I just hit my forearm right underneath the glove, and it put this nasty, nasty burn. Oh. <laughs> and I swear to God, not more than two weeks later, I did that same exact thing to the other arm, and I looked like I'd been crucified. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're symmetrical. <laughs> I never did it since then, and that was about six years ago, though. So I think I learned my lesson. Only took a couple tries. <laughs> a couple of the other, I guess, wacky, cool, neat ideas that the lift you out of the chair thing and the stand that comes down underneath. What led you to those ideas? It's 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 extreme. The second I built the mock-up and I sat down and I said, you know, this thing's not easy to get up and out of. Hmm. And then, of course, in the film, that whole front-end assembly rises up. Oh, yeah. I said, you know what? That's that's a really good idea. I don't know how familiar Otomo was with motorcycle design, but just one thing after another ended up what he put in that design in that movie just turned out to be a great idea. So I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have that whole front-end rise up, and then it rises up, and it locks in the rise position, and you just pull yourself up and out. It's quite easy to uh, get in and out of there. Wow. And my, my first build, I had the whole steering column rise up and that turned out again to be a pretty ridiculous notion because it's it was extremely difficult to get any uh, enough stiffness in that oh right yeah because you so, introduced a ton of slop in the right so that whole front end was modified welded the steer steering column back to the frame and now i have this kind of v-block lock with hooks on the side uh in my prototype uh, this is just the functional prototype mm-hmm. so when you pull it down it locks in there and makes a nice solid connection between the steering columns the other part of it you know that wasn't in the in the film but when you're sitting down low like that and you come to a stop you put your legs down to hold the bike up you're using the outer muscles of your leg and and this is something that pops up a lot on the feet forward motorcycle design lists uh, a good way to hold it up like that uh it's just not a comfortable way to do it those are not strong leg muscles you know with a nice upright bike you're just locking your legs straight and it's very easy to hold a bike up so i thought well i don't like the way this is working out so one of the idea i came up with was basically have a center stand that kind of swings down and forward with casters underneath it and when you have that really low center of gravity it doesn't have to have a very wide platform to hold you up so what i did was i attached that to the rear brake. The rear brake motion, the right foot motion, there's two motions to it. One is you push your foot forward, and the other is that you tilt your foot forward like you do uh, with a regular rear brake on a bike. So when you push your foot forward, that brings the casters down. So you're converting your leg motion, the normally the strong leg motion that you would be using in an upright bike, you're converting that to the same kind of force to hold the bike up. But the low center of gravity makes it easy enough that you can just do it with one leg. And when you tilt your foot forward, that applies the rear brake. So kind of in a knee jerk reaction you would do both it would hold the bike upright to prevent uh, high sides and apply the rear brakes or if you're encountering a situation where you're worried about some oil slick on the ground or sand or ice you can apply the center stand separately without applying the rear brake just by thinking about it and pushing your foot forward so it's kind of where i was going with that all this stuff might you know change when i start bringing it on the road and testing it maybe some of these things won't work out very well maybe they'll need to be seriously redesigned but that's the idea right now i mean you can get gold wings with landing gears so yeah right in a later version i'd probably just have that automatically lower but in my functional prototype trying to keep it as simple as possible you're just Mm -hmm. going to mechanically deploy it so i have to ask the last question about the science of recumbents um is this like a recumbent bicycle where you're required to have a beard in order to ride it? I don't <laughs> have a beard. You're screwed, Chuck. On, on top of it with the, uh, with the rear view sunglasses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Good. Okay. It's all about style after all. Trying to really take advantage of potential advantages that kind of design. That long, low geometry lets you accelerate much quicker because you can put a lot more power from your engine to the rear wheel pushing you forward instead of raising the front end off the ground. And if something is twice as long, it has four times the polar moment of inertia. So it takes a lot more power to raise it up. I don't think the thing will even be able to pop a wheelie, really. Uh. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted. And actually, speaking of power, so I, I agree with the CX-500 engine, it won't necessarily be able to pop a wheelie. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm not going to try, but... <laughs> <laughs> so you you're not uh, you you've you've upgraded in engines I gather. 
Yeah, that's the third comment I usually get is, what's with that crap motor you got in that thing? <laughs> I, oh, I know the answer to that. That's the, this motor was already in the shed. <laughs> I've got least three of these. donated that bike to me for free for the project, so that's oh, where that came from. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I got an email from John White of Crazy Horse Motorcycles, and he said he wanted to donate an engine to my project, and I uh, ended up flying out there to Seattle to meet him toward the factory, toward his uh, American Pile Driving Equipment factory as well. And uh, yeah, they're going to donate an engine to the projects. Cool. A nice what do you high get in? High power V twin. Can't wait to get that thing in there. Cool. So you've gotten his attention through the Kickstarter project? Yeah. Um, he said a, a friend of his had forwarded that to him. Yep. We've been, I mean, your Kickstarter project's been making rounds on the internet. Are you getting a lot of buzz? Is there a lot of... Yeah, I've definitely gotten a lot more attention um, from doing that than I have from my website alone. And my mm-hmm. site's been up for a while, and I think it's mostly confined to uh, just Sakura anime fans, uh, primarily. Right. Uh, I've been getting 100,000 hits uh, a month on that site, so it's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. But once I put the Kickstarter thing up, it really expanded into a lot larger circles. Just uh, last week, I was on Pit Pass Radio talking about the bike project as well. Oh, good deal. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely expanded my sphere of influence, but hoping to see some more donations come out of it than, than what I've gotten so far. You know, I was thinking about that. You know, The way Kickstarter works, the Kickstarter person sets uh, various tiers of reward sure. on monetary amounts. I, I got to tell you, Michael, I think yours is wrong. Okay. This is what I think you ought to do. You say 50 bucks and you get to ride this bike. <laughs> that might be dangerous. Your top tier rewards are you're saying you can come ride the bike, your own liability, you got to have a mm-hmm. motorcycle license, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You're cutting a lot of people out, you know, big net, little fish. You 50 bucks, 100 bucks, come ride the bike. All right. I, I think I can go and change the rewards uh, after the fact, so I'm, I'm going to look into that. Because, um, you know, really good you, you'll just rope Chuck in right there. Yeah, $10,000, I, I no, but if you said like, Fifty bucks, a hundred bucks, yeah, I'll kick in for that if well, I get to ten, ride ten that. Ten grand, bike. you get your own bike as well. So I think was to, a, to ride it was a thousand. You a thousand, to, you have, yeah. You have to come that's, out here and you have to have a, a motorcycle license. Right, right. That's that's still a little rich for me. You, you make it a hundred bucks, I'll do it. All right, all right. <laughs> and I bet other people, you know, fifty to a hundred. Fifty was the first number. I don't know. What Chuck, do you think? Chuck might even bring it. I I I I think I go a little for, higher for the riding, quite frankly. Uh-huh. But you know, you'd think about it. But if it, if he yeah. was like saying fifty bucks, you get to ride the bike. Just heartbeat, <laughs> done. Yeah, Over. no brainer, right? No brainer. You put that out and publicize that. You're going to have a legion of mouth breathing nerds <laughs> enrolling in MSF classes across the country. <laughs> you mean loyal, respectable fans? Loyal, respectable fans. Yeah, yeah right. Those guys. <laughs> Them. The ones who don't shower in mom's basement. <laughs> Todd, leave me alone. <laughs> I, I do want to specify that that build that you're seeing in, in on Kickstarter and on my website is just a functional prototype. It's not optimized for high speed or high performance or weight reduction or anything. It's kind of like, as I was learning to build the bike, this is what I was was doing. The Kickstarter funds will help me finish that functional prototype, and then I'm going to turn around and rebuild the whole thing from the ground up with all new high-performance components, integrating you know weight reduction and optimizing more of the design, and in- incorporating the things I've learned along the way and from the testing and refinement of the functional prototype. Maybe you can get Harley Davidson to build your bikes for you, and then they'll fire... Wait, no. That didn't work for Eric. They'll fire you 10 years later to focus on their core competencies of t-shirts and jackets. Oh, that sounds kind of familiar for some reason. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> All right, so the real the question on everyone's mind, though, what's your favorite scene from Akira? I'm going to have to say that the iconic uh, motorcycle chase early on when, uh, you know, he's chasing, he's in the, the race with the uh, clown gang there, and mm-hmm. they kind of have that chick, that 
chicken with the leader of that gang, and uh, mm-hmm. Kaneda dodges at the last minute, pushes the clown guy out of the way, and you get that nice shot where the, the bike is skidding and it's perpendicular to the camera and sliding backwards. Uh, probably that one is one of the coolest ones. You know, that scene probably did more damage to motorcycle safety than <laughs> anything else. I gotta say that scene to me was the one that everyone every time I see Goldwing or like a Valkyrie, I think of the clown leader's bike with the six pipes coming up out of the back <laughs> and the big fan, and I'm like, what? But I mean, think about it. When, you know, when the clown guy he he low slides and goes sliding across the freeway, mm-hmm. all he's wearing is a tank top. Yeah. He's, he stands up. He doesn't even have a scratch. He, well, technically, <laughs> his problem is that he has main character superpowers. It's just you don't know it in the anime because he only has he's only main character in the two thing. minutes. I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the movie real fast for people who don't aren't familiar with it. Yeah, go see it. Go see, go see it. This is the movie that's usually used to introduce people to anime. Yep, and it's, it's habit un- forming. It's unfortunate though. Yeah. Because it's taking a series that's the size of the World Book Encyclopedia and compressing it into 90 minutes. Mm. And so it, it's, its narrative flow is brisk, jerky. What do you think, Michael? Is that, would, would you say that's fair? I think they did what they had to do to, to get it down to a movie length project i mean i did read the anime you did yeah yeah absolutely oh wow he's got me there right (laughs) it's like six volumes that are i think uh, 180 200 pages each i I Um, thumbed through it looking for boobs (laughs) (laughs) the middle generally of each book there's a, a, there's a, a pretty teenager. cool part in it when uh, Kaneda actually takes the rear, the headrest part of the bike off, and Kay is riding on top of that. It's kind of a weird <laughs> way to make that a two-seater. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I was like, oh, I wonder why they left that out of there. <laughs> there there's this whole subplot with uh, Lady Miyako leading this huge religious gang that tries to bring back Akira. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was one of the big portions that they cut out of it. They turned her into that little dude that shows up for 30 seconds before he gets blown up. Um, um, Explode. Yeah. <laughs> Which happens to a Good lot job. of characters from the manga. They just show up for... Explode. Yeah. <laughs> as, far, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, in any movie I evaluate like that, as long as they, they stay true to the theme, to the purpose and the idea of the movie, the particulars aren't as important. As long as and, they don't, you know, violate basic character things that were set up. And it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. And it's absolutely. got the damn bike in it. It's got the damn bike. <laughs> <laughs> And that bike is like a character in that movie. It's so prominently featured. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Deals the show. What? What do you? If you guys watch that again, there's a there's one scene where he's in a lot when Kaneda's in a in a alley or something like that, and he backs the bike up really quick and then darts off forward. And you can actually see the rear wheel steer on that bike. So it is actually a two wheel steering bike in the film. He is such a nerd. And I, I didn't even realize that. And I went and said, well, I'm going to make mine two-wheel steering. And I was telling a friend of mine that. And he's like, oh, it is two-wheel steering in the movie. I was like, man, again, Otomo <laughs> on the ball. On the ball. Life imitates art. If you look closely. <laughs> Although I can't say those those round, bulbous protrusions on the bottom of it are really uh, appropriate for motorcycle design. They worked for the gold wing. <laughs> So what do you ride when you're not sitting on your on your prototype making broom broom noises? <laughs> uh, I have a Suzuki V-Strom, 1,000cc. Oh, world's domination continues! Damn it. <laughs> should, should I have said a Buell? <clears throat> yes. Yes, you should. <laughs> a Strom. <laughs> I love well, that bike. I went well, through like four or five bikes before I got to that one, and that's that's been my favorite so far. That explains why he's like dicking around with bikes so much, man. He's... You gotta have a wrench in your hand. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Got some nice uh, GV side cases on it. And uh, last summer, I, or summer before that, I tried to take it on a nice uh, ride to Chicago from Connecticut and got down the street and uh, T-boned a car in an intersection. <laughs> totaled the bike. <laughs> oh. So Ow. had a nice little accident there. Oh. oh. So the, the bike is history then? Yeah, well, I had a 650 at the time and totaled oh, okay. that one. And I hobbled out of the uh, hospital the next day and... Said I need more engine. CC with yeah, had a thousand CC with uh, less miles and a year newer. So that worked out pretty good. I crashed my bike. Obviously, the solution is more engine. (laughs) That's awesome. So that that was another influential factor that that delayed the build. I wasn't really doing much of anything for about three months while I was healing from that. That's it. Remember when we were reading his Kickstarter page? He was Mm -hmm. he. He focused on the the T bone collision aspect about of safety, oh, and, yeah. and we were like, "This guy must have hit something." <laughs> who else thinks of that? <laughs> well, sadly, I knew that even before I hit somebody in a T bone. So, again, they say like seventy seven percent of uh, motorcycle accidents are front end collisions. So mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of the comments I get about the bike is like, "Well, it's too low. You can't see as far. Your your, vis- your visible height is about the same in a car, so it's really not too bad." For the same reason that you can accelerate a lot quicker with a long low wheelbase you can also decelerate faster and you know you don't pitch that Mm -hmm. you don't pitch Mm -hmm. up and you don't do the stoppy but if you actually get the center of gravity of the bike below the axle of the front wheel you can get a little bit of a moment that pushes the rear wheel back down into the ground keeping the traction of the rear wheel up oh very nice interesting he says we can't stop it yet (laughs) challenge accepted (laughs) but wait wait michael how will they see you on this bike Well, You'll you know, be totally it's invisible. Gonna have the sparks shooting out of the wheel hub. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you have to build that in. <laughs> that's an add-on. Just put that's, a couple that's pieces my of flint. Most common request I get about it. <laughs> it's gotta shoot the sparks. <laughs> Lightning edition. <laughs> I don't know if that would pass DOT uh, certification. So you know what? What's the legal aspects of, of essentially building an experimental vehicle? Well, uh, thankfully, and this is part of the reason why I I chose motorcycles as my first project to focus on, uh, because down the road I like to build a car, but there are virtually none. It's very, very limited. Essentially, they have specific requirements for things like how you attach the brake lines. you got to use those metal clamps, little specific things like that. You know, you got to have the brake light, the blinkers, certain square inch uh, area of reflectors, uh, that sort of stuff. So if you look at on, on my site, either the Kickstarter or my main site, the nice, cool-looking red rendered version of the bike, that CG version, that actually incorporates all the DOT requirements for a motorcycle in there. And I went by California standards for that because they're the most stringent. They're even a little more stringent than the federal requirements. If you start manufacturing them, you have to get like a frame manufacturer's license and there's some other requirements where they come and certify and frame test that if it's a one-off and you're riding yourself the easiest thing to do is transfer the registration obviously from pre-existing bike but the actual requirements uh, you bring it down to your local department of transportation they'll check all those things and kind of give it a, a once over to make sure it looks like it's engineering wise is is reasonable and safe that's about it i mean it's nothing like a car where you have to do multiple million dollar crash tests what's next for the bike then so with newfound influx of uh, capital and interest in things from kickstarter well i'd really like to get this uh, functional prototype done as quickly as possible that's been my focus i have this nice four thousand square foot workshop right now in connecticut what's your uh, day job uh, i do it what's that an it guy who's an anime nerd (laughs) unheard of no (laughs) and and i have long hair just to fit all the stereotypes (laughs) (laughs) do you like cheetos (laughs) i've said too much (laughs) 
He's all like, that's it. You're banned from the bike. <laughs> I don't care how much you give. I, I do get to f- defy the stereotypes by saying I'm actually a motorcycle builder. So a little cooler than just being an IT guy who's an anime fan. Yeah, he's, he's right about that. <laughs> mm. You're lame, Chuck. <laughs> you haven't built one yet. Or, or I guess I could say attempted motorcycle builder until I get the thing actually out on the road. Well, you're, you're closer than either one of us. We break bikes like looking at them <laughs> well, we I, take rec- them I recommend it, giving it a shot go get yourself a nice little MIG welder and some steel tubing and, and get going you can oh, make a God. pretty decent bike just uh, with not a lot of money just don't try to do anything crazy like two wheel steering or anything like that <laughs> <It should> be- <laughs> recumbent seating he's like don't copy my idea <laughs> oh you can go ahead and try it uh, <laughs> sucker best of luck <laughs> It's pretty interesting. I, I, I love physics, so I, I kind of study physics in my spare time and mechanical engineering. And I started looking for all the published papers on motorcycle steering. When you get up to the ones that have actually been published in physics journals, you know, the peer-reviewed journals, they don't even know how motorcycles steer. They're arguing like people uh, argue on forums about stuff. It's it's kind of interesting. Nuh-uh. Yeah, you suck. It's like such and such didn't take this into account. And then uh, that guy will publish a paper later like, well, such and such didn't take this into account. <laughs> So I said, well, just build the damn thing and make the uh, make the geometry variable so you can test it until you get it right. That sounds like work. It's been working for sidecars <laughs> for some time now. <laughs> Dork with it until it works okay. You know, th- these scientists are just going to go back and forth until one of them publishes a picture that sh- or publishes a paper that's just a picture of his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Peer review this. <laughs> so I gotta say, Michael, we we want to believe. Make yeah, it, I, I make our dreams believe. come true. I will do that. It gets your listeners to uh, pop over to Kickstarter and toss me over a couple bucks. Fifty bucks, Michael. Make it fifty <laughs> bucks, man. <laughs> and, and be sure to <laughs> share it on market. your favorite uh, social networking site. All right. Well, Michael Dickey, thanks for being on the show with us. Go check out his Kickstarter site and his project, and start right. placing orders for a red jacket with a capsule on the back. <laughs> Hey, we should start a Kickstarter project for that. (laughs) Well, thanks a lot for being on with us, Michael. All right. Thank you for having me. It was a fun time. Good luck, man. All right. Thanks. So, yeah, he's making some pretty extreme claims, but at the same time, he I like his attitude. He's, he's here's my extreme claim, here's what I think is going to happen, and I'm going to go and see if that's true. If it's not, then I'll think of something else instead. It definitely sounds like he's been doing his homework about the whole thing. Yeah, no he, doubt he about it. He sounds pretty knowledgeable about mm-hmm. it. It doesn't sound like he's just kind of blowing some hot air about it. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest, I think he might be wrong about a few things, but I think it's cool that he's open to that. You know? Yeah, you won't know until you try, right? I mean, he's building a prototype, a functional prototype, just mm-hmm. to see what will work. So hmm, maybe this will work. Right. Oh God! Oh my <laughs> eyes! <laughs> Hopefully not. Chuck. Yes. Charge up the laser. <laughs> I got some work to do. You know, I hope he pulls us off because I hope he does too. That's pretty cool. It's neat that someone's already donated an engine to him. That you know. Yeah, that's wicked cool. Because I got, I got to tell you that the. the, the I don't think, ooh, you know what I want? I want a wicked cool bike with a... Wicked cool engine. With a CX-500 I mean, we, in it. <laughs> we talk a lot about, you know, hey, it's not the size of the bike that matters. But this is the this is this bike. That that bike. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of the movie is Furthermore, a bike that long, that bike is. a bike that long, if you put a good engine in it, is going to be a rubber burning machine. You'll be able to smoke that rear tire up if you look at it funny. <laughs> I I really hope he pulls it off. Go to his Kickstarter site and you know check it out. Consider Decide kicking for yourself. In. Yeah, and see if it's something you want to kick in for. 
Yeah. All right. So let's do some listener email. Okay. Are you, are you, are you okay if we do some listener email? I might survive. Let's see what this first one from Bill is. It says, uh, fuck you, Todd. Fuck you and your fucking fu- – oh, wait. No, that's, that's not what it says. <laughs> yeah, he didn't write that. Bill writes, I just caught the last podcast where you were talking about the handlebar mitts. Mm. While I have never tried them, I just can't get the worst case scenario out of my mind. I reach up without thinking to close my visor at speed, get into some sort of stressful situation, and promptly shit the bed. So he's worried that he's not going to be able to get back to the break in time. And I will tell you, the mitts are soft. And if you were to do something like be dicking with your electric jacket, for instance, you would still be able to squeeze the mitt to operate your clutch and brake. Yeah, that's what I've found is that you, yeah. even though you can't see it. If all else it, fails, you just, you just... Yeah. And it still works. Yeah, everything will work fine. It'll, f- it'll be really weird. There'll but, be an yeah. awkward moment, but you'll, you'll make it. And I still find myself looking down even though there's nothing to look at. I think mm-hmm. I look down more now than I did before Yeah, because of these spits. You have a sickness. But he sent us in a solution that mm-hmm. he came up with for his Buell Ulysses. Yeah, which is God basically damn a you. pair of gigantic handguards. Yeah, they're from uh, Moose Utility. They're ATV handguards. Mm-hmm. And, and and these mitts we use, they're ATV mitts. So, yep. you know, it's, it's a different solution, yeah. Um, it looks pretty cool. Um, they work pretty well, he says. With uh, On top of that, he's got some phase change gloves mm-hmm. combined with heated grips. So he's like all space-agey with, mm-hmm. with this stuff. It's the future, and mm-hmm. it's a Buell. Bill, do you want to trade bikes? Don't do it. Bill, it's a trap. Run, Bill. You could keep, Run. You could keep your moose, moose Get away grips. while you still can, Bill. You can even take those pretty cool turn signal mirrors off of yours, and you just you want you want to trade? <laughs> it'll, it'll be cool. I'll sign the bike. I mean, it's cooler that way. Eric Buell signs the bikes, and they, they like uh-huh. it. It's cool if I do it, right? No, the bike's just that much more likely to explode. <laughs> <laughs> you go around signing people's bikes, and they're like, the wheels fall off. Oh, now I know I'm doing your bike. It's like, come on. <laughs> My thing is I walk around and I touch bikes and void their warranty. <laughs> I will lay hands on this bike and void its warranty. This can, warranty is void. This desk, warranty is void. So what happens when you touch an F800GS? I void its warranty. Hmm. Boringly. <laughs> huh. Well, that's a bag of dicks. <laughs> Such a bag of dicks. What have you learned this week, Chuck? I've learned I got a new favorite phrase. <laughs> I've learned that i got to say things that infuriate listeners more because they send us in great material. You know, this is like the most response we've ever gotten to anything on the show. Next week, we're going to talk about how much Harley suck. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all we've got time for this week. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next time. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.